0: This is People Unboxed from ADP.
1: Hello and welcome to the second episode of People Unboxed. I'm Penny Haslam and in this series, we're going to be discussing a key challenge for modern businesses and that is engagement. Now, recent research from Gallup has found that only 15% of employees worldwide say that they are actually engaged at work. Now, this statistic was so striking that we commissioned our own research to find out both why engagement is so low and what it might take to get people actually excited about going to work. And that research led us here to this podcast. So our job now is to examine those insights and hopefully find some straightforward solutions and strategies to make us, our colleagues and our workforce happier. Today's topic is just that, what makes us happy and unhappy at work? Our research has explored where employees commonly feel they're being let down and the effect that this has on their morale. Importantly, of course, if management can rise to the challenges, they can turn failure into renewed and improved employee engagement. Sounds good, doesn't it, guys? Yep. 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 Well, with me is a group of experts who have huge experience of working to address the issues. Jeff Phipps, ADP's UK General Manager. Annabelle Jones, the HRD there as well in the UK. Tim Pointer, founder of Starboard, that accelerates performance through business culture, and Jackie Mann, founder of J Mann, and author of Recruit, Inspire, Retain. Retain. Oh, great, good one. Does what it says on the tin, then, Jackie? It certainly does. Good. Okay, so I'll start with you. Um, what are the most common sources you see of unhappiness in workplaces? What makes people miserable?
2: I think it's when people don't have their potential recognised. That's that's what makes people unhappy. Have not. you
1: had experience of that?
2: Yes, I have actually. Yes, well, years ago when I worked in, in an HR team, um, they paid for me to go through all my uh, CIPD exams, which was great, and really enjoyed it. Wanted to, you know, pay back the company for that, and then I wasn't allowed to actually do anything else. I had to do my job that I was employed to do. I wasn't allowed to experiment in anything else or um, get promoted any positions that came up for um, as an HR person I wasn't allowed to apply for Um, and was just told basically well you know just sit there and that's it and it wasn't just me they did it to everybody it wasn't like a personal thing Um, I just couldn't see the point you know my potential was squashed okay Um, so you
1: felt held back demotivated absolutely yeah equals
2: miserable yeah didn't want to go to work
1: Annabelle is that for, same for you, or is there another source of unhappiness? Environment. Um, so I think if when
3: you have a if you don't feel comfortable or safe in your working environment, so if it is the the, the toilets, the temperature, the
1: dark car in, park at the end of the day in yes, the winter,
3: yes, the sort of the you know those sort of things can really drag people down
1: on, when you're doing it day in day out. Well, it's a kind of unwitting testimony of duty of care, isn't it? If you don't care for the environment as an employer. And maybe you just don't care for the people within it. Jeff.
4: Things that make people unhappy and make me unhappy, I think is where you have that sense of a problem that we, we're almost taking on that sort of victim mindset. You, you, you're helpless and you want to do something, but you just don't have the ability to, to do something, whether that's a, could be some form of customer complaint, could be a staff issue. You you just feel that you, you're unable to solve that. So I think that that certainly leads to a lot of unhappiness. I see it from a personal point of view and from others. On the happiness side, uh, for me, it's a sense of feeling that the team, myself, that we're making some form of progress because you're constantly asking yourself, as a leader, am I taking the organisation in the right direction? And so when you see people, especially when people push through boundaries and you know we've annabelle and i know of um, a couple of instances of this where we've seen people take on projects and then they've presented on what they've done and they've just been absolutely beaming and when you ask them how was this for you and, and they'll say oh, i I never thought I could achieve this. And, you know, the, the, the whole mood in the room is just really, really uplifting when those things happen.
1: So progress, not being held back, is yes. motivational. Yeah, Isn't they, that they interesting? They almost go yeah. opposite,
4: don't they? So one's almost, you're constrained and tied down, and the other one is that you can, you can progress and flourish. Okay, so Tim. I'm not going to answer your question. I want to talk about
0: <laughs> what makes you happy at work, because it's, okay. it's yeah, the nice. absence of that that actually causes it. And, the, and when I'm happiest at work, I'm working with a team that give me energy, We're talking about what we're going to do. We're talking about the proud stories of what we've already achieved. We are emphasizing what one another is contributing. We're giving one another confidence. So the answer to your question is the flip of all of those. Is when we focus on what's gone wrong and we are blaming one another and, 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 and. So looking for those environments and those leaders that give us energy, that believe in us, that talk about the future, and give clarity and context to the work that we're doing that talk about the purpose of the organization what we're going to do how we're going to win and go yeah you, know, you did a brilliant job that that client meeting absolutely fantastic knocks out of the park i saw what you did there when it started to go off track you brought them back to the core issue just like we talked about in advance you know we practiced it and you executed it well done you and then you have that happiness because you you, you believe in yourself and that's when you have sunshine
4: so Tim, I think what you did there is a really good example. All too often people will say something like, great job, which is actually quite sh- sort of empty and hollow. What you did there was give an example of how you, you're really clear on why they did a great job. And that's a massive difference because people are getting really, really good feedback about what they did right. And and it's it's reinforcing that great behaviour. So I think that's a it, sometimes the details get missed, and I think that's a really important thing to stress.
3: It's interesting that um, none of us have mentioned pay as a factor <laughs> in, because the, the, the research suggests that pay is a key source of happiness. I don't um, agree with that at all. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, the sixty-eight the, percent of the people in the survey said that they had a positive emotion when they've been paid, and twenty-two percent experience a negative emotion, either disappointed or frustrated, envious, surprised.
1: Um, so it's you know, that, that that's being picked out as a key. Why do you disagree, funding? Jackie? That you know, I mean, sixty-eight percent of people have a positive emotion when they've been paid. But so you're not saying that pay is a key source of happiness?
2: No, I don't think it is. I think it. It. Um, everybody needs the money because, as we spoke about earlier, you know, you've got the motivation. People need that safety and that security that they're going to get some money to do the things they want to do. But for me, I think it goes back to like, you know, years ago when you used to get paid when you are at work, you got a little brown envelope where you got your money in it. So you got given it. Now you don't even see it. So it just goes straight into your bank. So you don't actually know it's there. There's no experience at all. And to me, it's more about not giving people extra money and extra incentive bonuses because they still don't see it. But what can they have that is going to something they're going to experience rather than
1: just something that pops into their bank account so as an incentivizing tool pay isn't the be all and end all there's believe. other things you can pay attention to which make your workforce more happy more productive more engaged I still think it's an important foundation
3: though because so from my own personal experience I in my early career I was a recruitment consultant and not a particularly good one and I didn't particularly enjoy it um but I um I was hanging you wouldn't have employed there. yourself <laughs> So, I was hanging in there for the quarterly bonus and I'd worked hard and I'd um, it, obviously quite heavily commissioned um, when you're in that sort of a role and I had my quarterly meeting with my manager and um, he said you know you've, you've, you've just missed out on the uh, criteria for the bonus this quarter and I just said to him well I don't know why I'm bothering then. Um, he said well what do you mean? I said well I think I should leave and completely unplanned I resigned Um and I thought, what's the point? I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying my job. The only reason I'm turning up is because there's a chance of earning some money. And when that chance was taken away, and and that, you know, it was the best thing I ever did. Good on you. To be honest,
4: that's quite a brave thing to do. I think how many people do you think don't do that? They just sit there, yeah. you know, month after month. In some cases, year after year, in a situation mm-hmm. that they're unhappy in.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a turning point in my career. Um, yeah. It was a bit scary because, I, but I didn't have commitment family commitments at the time okay so that's pay Mm
1: -hmm. we like getting paid jackie doesn't think it's all that but you know and there are other things so let's work work through other things and you mentioned at the beginning annabelle about safety at work Mm -hmm. and not having an environment where you could feel safe Mm -hmm. and how important is that and how can we make that really work for employees and engage them well again if i come back to the
3: research um less than half of businesses have health and safety training or regular safety checks in place at work. So that's going to leave their employees feeling unsafe, you would think, um, and and concerned. And, uh, you know, again, you know, the the research does suggest that... there's you know a, a number of people who are giving examples of how they felt unsafe physically either through health and safety or through the culture and the environment um potentially maybe dealing with clients and dealing with people who um who make them feel unsafe and i know there's a lot more now in you know you need, you need to go on a bus or the train it says you know um abusing our, our staff is taken very seriously and things. So there's a lot more emphasis now on how everybody needs to respect each other in the workplace, but you're potentially dealing in industries where your employees are at the tough end of conversations mm. and having to deal with some really um, difficult tasks on a day-to-day basis. And, of course,
1: there's external threats from terrorism... Of course. ...affecting buildings yeah. and people and built-up areas yeah. and that kind of thing. But t- yes, I
3: mean, a third of, a third of employees have mm. felt unsafe at work over
1: the last 12 months...
3: Mm.
0: Just as you were speaking, it, it, it just reminds me of an incident many, many years ago where I looked for leadership because I felt unsafe at work, and none, none came. Um, and it was we were going through a restructuring process. I was uh, working in a retail business, and uh, two stores were very close to one another. One was being closed, and, and, and the teams across the two stores were, 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 um, uh, were being reduced to one team a competitive process and one of the team had been told that her she would not be continuing in her role and then one of her colleagues came into the meeting with the uh, the store manager and, and, and myself and he was furious that his colleague hadn't had her role and he decided it was my fault now, of course, the scoring process, as everyone listening to this I'm sure would know, had been conducted by, wait for it, the management team. I was there making sure that the whole process was conducted fairly and that we were absolutely confident in it. But he decided that I was the problem and he abused me and he threatened me and I'm not going to use the language that he... Was it blue? Was the air He blue? made it very clear that, I was, that my head was not going to be the same shape. Dear. And uh, that I was not going to leave that particular town... Um, it, in, in good health, <laughs> and uh, well, that's uh, as much as we need to say, <laughs> and I sat yeah. there, and his store manager, his boss, who knew this guy, just let him rip into me for a fair amount of time. I was mid-twenties, I shook, so I go back and I go to my HRD and I went, this happened, and absolutely nothing happened you know did nothing happened in terms of the store manager was never spoken to i wasn't given any um any support and it really sticks to me that was many years ago but you can hear it really mattered to me at the time And i was just like do you know what i don't want to be here anymore because in that moment i felt incredibly unsafe and at risk i was given no support there was no action afterwards And I didn't leave immediately, but there was no way that I was going to stay for that business and there was no way that I had any trust in the capability of the leadership team thereafter.
1: Why do you think the levels of training are so low in health and safety and paying attention to that sort of weirdness and nastiness, Uh, Annabelle, why the figures are so low? I don't think in it's top
3: priority for companies. I don't think they've put enough emphasis on it. Um, despite, I mean, you know, the health and safety executive do a very good job and they, they've certainly put a lot more onus on businesses to take responsibility for these things. Um, so, you know, whether it be um, stress in the workplace or physical um, health and safety. Um, but it's, I just don't think it's been high enough on the agenda of business to 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 take accountability and take responsibility for it.
2: I think also it's because there's nobody checks up to see if any of it's been yeah. done. Whereas years ago, you used to get health and safety um, could come down and, you know, mm. do checks around the office. You used to get the fire brigade come round do fire checks. None of that's happened anymore. There's, no, there's not the funding for it. So it's all stopped. So I think, you'll, you know, sometimes the powers further up the organisation if they're not really that bothered we'll just mm-hmm. think oh we'll just leave that and it's only when it all goes wrong well yes you get a few high profile yeah, cases and it all goes that, wrong and yeah. then it's, um, it's a bit too Litigation. late Litigation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What's the jeopardy then for engagement if you don't provide a safe environment?
0: It's a fundamental question uh, of engagement do you feel safe at work? Are you able to do your job without any fear? And that's what, that's what we're really talking about and the absence of fear and the presence of Opportunity and activity and fun and you know and and uh, all the other elements that we 've been talking about so you know what do we know we know that productivity is going to uh, going to drop we know that people are more likely to leave we know that people are more likely to take time off sick uh, we know that people are much less likely to spend the additional time into understanding more about their customers or their clients and to propel forward the performance of, of their products and services so this is not a nice to have this is a business performance issue that needs to be addressed to get the best the best out of your team and to drive your business forward
1: so one thing is safety and not feeling under you know fearful and of course we talk about wellness at work these days don't we it's a real big buzzword and um, what is wellness how can it be part of a culture is it that important so i think so um
3: and i think there's different um, pillars to it so i think there's uh, physical mental and financial um and social um wellness i think there's there's a you, you need to look at it holistically um and and i think that there's an increasing role for the employer to pay play in ensuring that their employees have that well-being um it, it used to be that it wasn't up to the employer and the, you know, none of their business um but i think increasingly now um it there is an important role for the employer to play because they're going to get more productive, more engaged workforce out of that if they do invest in, in the well-being of their employees.
1: And at a recruitment stage, is wellness something that you can flag as a why you should work here
2: yeah, definitely could be. I mean, if you've got lots of different things that are being offered as a well-being package, that is going to help towards people wanting to work for the organisation. And you'd hope that as well that other employees are going to tell other people that this is a great place to come and work, you know, so that you don't have to be always trying to recruit people from outside, that people are going to say, if you've got a great culture here and they really look after their staff and people are happy, then why
1: don't you come and work here too? So what's good practice then for wellness?
0: And we can start that conversation from saying, we don't have to guess what people are saying about us as an employer. Just have a look on Glassdoor, have a look at the different chat sites about your organisation, find out what people are saying. All the information's there in terms of how your organisation is being rated against you, against your competitors. And increasingly, candidates are going to look at all of that chat and make a decision. They're not looking at the way we brand the organization just on its own. They're going to look at the stories of what's going on in, um, inside. We're all buying based on reviews of people we've never met. You know, how many stars did he get on Amazon? You know, and it's exactly the same with the employer experience. Well, why not? What's the what's the rating? What's the comments? What's the chat? I want to progress. How how many opportunities have people writing about are progressing in that organisation? What's the fairness in terms of the uh, of of the whole recruitment process? How much does that organisation look and feel like the community that it serves in terms of its diversity and inclusion? That information is increasingly there for all candidates to examine. We have to get it right, or we're going to get called out on it
1: trip advisor for employees isn't it it's Absolutely. wonderful yeah very good and what are the hallmarks of a company who offers great wellness and opportunity like that jeff
4: i think the first hallmark is what the people what the people experience and what they say so to your point are those people positively coming out saying positive things i think that they give their uh, the people a, a, a big voice in in what goes on because i think when you get into things like wellness you've got to be careful not to create some kind of nanny state inside your organisation. Yeah, and, and that's think... what I'm
1: guessing at, really. I'm, yeah. I'm after some examples of the spa treatments, you know, <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or the, pe- the the yoga sessions on a Wednesday. We I mean, have, you, know, um, you know, what is wellness at work? We have, what a, are the...
4: we have a yoga class... Uh, at adp Fancy. and um, it 's run by one of the uh, one of the employees uh, It was something they do and and that 's something and so I think a lot of this stuff actually comes from within mm. it 's not being prescribed from the top down, but you create an environment where people are happy to do those things and they feel that that 's a positive thing to do. Mm.
2: I think that goes back to what I spoke about earlier. Is that you know it needs to be something that the employees get involved with because you can put anything you know any uh, perks or well-being things there for the employees, but if it's not something they're interested in, mm-hmm. it's a complete waste of money for everyone. Mm-hmm. And they just think, oh well, it's just you trying to yeah to make a yeah. you know make things good for them, and actually it's not what they want. Mm-hmm. Ask them, talk to them, find mm-hmm. out what it is that they really want.
4: We um we've done something recently. We for a long time we struggled with how we did um, our regular awards for people and for their contribution. And we've completely changed the approach now so that it is it is actually often people that have made denominations reading out why they've done it, rather than myself or another senior leader saying, well done, because we don't know the circumstances. And it has so much more power... When we'll often do a video clip or an audio recording saying this is the reason that this person has been nominated for this award. And that has gone down really positively, has a lot more impact than (laughs) than a manager. uh, What's her name getting getting, getting this award? Jane,
1: Jenny. I mean, yeah. yeah. Who are you? Yeah, But yeah,
3: the well-being um, for us uh, at ADP um, is a journey. It's not it's not there's not a start and an end point we had in place. Sort of the, the traditional benefits that kick in when you're not well, and now it's more about how do we how do we stop people from getting to that point? How can we what can we do earlier on in the journey um, to make sure that people, if they're struggling, are getting the support early um, that they need. Um, if that's on sort of the the, the mental physical well being, and then on the financial side, it's um, you know. Um, Pension awareness. So what are you doing about your pension saving, your retirement planning? It's sort of, it's just really looking at the whole picture and just really, yeah, sort of being that support.
1: we we talk about yoga classes and and salad bars, maybe. Mm -hmm. You're getting a new canteen, aren't you? We are, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, uh, yeah, the healthy options. Healthy options, there you go. Mm -hmm. But what about um, management and leadership and how much that crosses into wellness? You know, listening to people and hearing them. The other thing, yeah, just to... To
3: to blend the two, we've we've actually just done some um, mental health first aid training for leaders, um, so that they're actually more aware of the signs to look out for and can also help then with signposting people to where to get help. So it's not about them being counsellors or them sort of being the first line of. It's about them just being more aware of what problems might be going on within their teams and being the the, the go to person for other people who might need support.
0: If you can create a high trust environment, it is a point of difference. The fact is we have a dearth of trust across our society because there's been, in comparison to where we previously were, because do we trust the banks after the financial crisis?
1: Well, we don't trust business either or brands, we definitely do we? Don't. Well,
0: so, some brands we do. It's a mi- it's, This is the Edelman research, isn't it, yes, from absolutely. 2018 you're mm-hmm. looking at? yeah, And if you look at the... So many um, components of our society that we used to have very high trust in terms of charities well we 've just had the haiti uh, sex handle in terms of the police, well, after the Hillsborough inquiry in terms of, uh, um, in terms of the financial services, in terms of the clergy with the you know, Magdalen uh, laundry stories uh, again, and again and again again, politicians' yeah. expenses scandal, executive pay and behavior. All of these reasons not to trust. So therefore, we trust fewer institutions, fewer businesses, and fewer people. If you could stand out from that lower line and say, actually, we're really working on trust. We, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. If I say I've got your back, you will see the behaviours. Don't, don't judge me on what I say. Judge me on what I do. As leaders, we know there's a whopping great arc light Focused on the, the more senior you are, the bigger the light. Focused on you as you go through the organisation, and you throw a big shadow, and everyone watches what you're doing. So if you say that awful phrase, "People are our greatest asset," <laughs> and you march through the and you march through the office, and you don't speak to anyone on your way to the to your desk, then. Well, that, well, clearly, people, are, you know, actually demonstrate any care or consideration or communication. So it's exa- it's how we turn up and how we behave every day that actually demonstrates what matters to us and what our values are.
1: And that engenders trust.
0: Absolutely, and but that
1: makes us feel happier, doesn't it? When we you know, when we can trust the people mm-hmm. we want, to, we need to follow, we feel more secure.
0: We spend more time with our colleagues than we do our family. Yeah? In, in, in full-time work, we're spending more time with those people. We only have so many years on this planet, so let's have fun. Let's enjoy that. And if you want to go to hire a robot, hire a robot. If you're going to hire a person, accept all the frailty and imagination and opportunity and innovation that person's going to bring, and celebrate all of them. Don't break them down or ignore them and treat them like a pot plant.
1: <laughs> Tim for president.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I, I do. I do think there's. Um, Thank what, you. One of the things that I do. Is it sounds a it's a simple question and just ask uh how are you? How's your day going? It's such a simple question, but Jeff.
1: You won't believe how much of a disconnect there is. Uh, Jackie, you'd say this, right? I've worked at places where morale has been so low, there've been people crying in toilets on a regular basis. Yet the leadership and the management don't seem to acknowledge or recognise it. Why is that? It's extraordinary, isn't it?
2: It is, but it's their it's their perception. I, you know, I go into businesses and and do like a what I call a people diagnostic, because there's some great surveys out there where you can get feedback. But there's nothing better than actually speaking to employees, and I was in this business with an entrepreneur, and he's like six foot four, really you know loud person, and he said everything's going great, you know, but you know could you talk to them and find out, but I think everything's fine now and I sat down and spoke to the individuals. I had four people in tears, he had absolutely no idea what was going on. he thought everything was great, but actually people were quite intimidated and didn't feel they could go and speak to him because he's such a loud character. But he was really upset about what I found out. But I think people are walking around with, you know, blinkers on. They think this is happening. They understand where the business is going. They know about all the purpose and the values and and everyone else gets it, don't they? Well, no, they don't because the the lower down the organisation it goes, it gets filtered out. And when you get nearer the bottom, they don't always understand or don't understand how they fit in um, and don't feel valued at all. Mm.
3: And the the research, the studies says that thirty five percent of the employees that we surveyed don't have faith in the quality of their leadership. Um, So you know that's a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot. Thirty five percent. And if they don't have quality faith in the quality of the leadership, they're not going to have that trust. So you know, it's forty six percent feel that their employer does not understand them or their potential. So that's even more. You know, that's nearly half of the people don't think their leaders understand the potential they bring to the organisation. Yeah. And
2: I can I can understand that because I, as we said earlier, that I was in that place. But I think also sometimes in organisations, the leaders um, are people that have been promoted and actually they've never been given any training whatsoever. They don't know how to lead people. They might be brilliant at R&D or, you know, their specialist topic, but put them in a leadership role. And they, they really don't know what they are supposed to do. Um, and then you can actually see the whole function can collapse because they've got the wrong leader in there. But
0: so, If we flip that research, then we've got 65% of people saying that they are getting behaviours from their leaders that matters to them, that, that sets them up for success. So I'd be really interested, in terms of a diagnostic, I'd be really interested to work with that 65% and say, can you tell me what it is that your leaders are doing that you value? How does that enable you to perform? Why does that give you happiness? What What, what is it creating in term, in terms of meaning? Let's work out what we're doing well and amplify it. Let's do more of it. Oh. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, so often we, we go, well, let's focus on the on the thirty five percent on what's going wrong for you guys, uh, you know m- my approach is focus on the sixty five percent really amplify that up, and you will see that number increase because ah, oh, this is working really well, we'll do more of it. this leader's really effective. Well, what is she doing that is having that impact within her team let's go and interview her, and we see that it, it, see the opportunities for growth ac- across the organization
4: and and I think uh, training i think is is really important, and i don't think um Things clearly don't stand still. I believe that we've got to create environments that are filled with learning and that doesn't mean to say that all you do is learn but certainly cultures where learning is a key part of what goes on I'm not personally concerned exactly what people learn but they they' that they, they, they're committed to keep developing and I'm not sure that some of the techniques we use such as development plans work particularly well they all too often get used on a annual basis or maybe every few months whereas if if learning is really going to be is really going to work it needs to be part of what you're practicing on a on a daily or, or weekly basis so i think in different forms we really have to look at are we developing our leaders to be great leaders are we developing the the, the people to go up in the organization so i think that's uh, that's an important part of what we need to do here
0: maybe share an example as um hosting a a Business Culture Awards uh, breakfast the other day, and one of the presentations was from ACOM, the global engineering giant. And they really focused on their need to increase the number of female leaders and female engineers that they had across the organisation. And their work, they they found that they really needed to uh, work at a primary school level with girls to look at their understanding and their interest in engineering and the world around them. Now, What's fascinating about this is that they had the opportunity then to to help form opinions with primary school children. The unintended consequence was the learning and the achievement of those uh, of those colleagues that went into the schools who suddenly realised how much they knew. And it was a whole new opportunity for them to talk with pride about their organisation, their workplace, their learning, their story, their journey, their achievements and they then took that energy back into the organization I've become teachers mm. <laughs> <laughs> they it all up. carried on <laughs> being great female engineers and inspiring the next generation <laughs> but you know isn't that isn't that fantastic for such a, for a project to have that double layering to it so actually you are changing um, you are setting up your profession for future success but you're having an amazing learning experience yourself and then having greater happiness because of it.
1: And quite often the intangibles are the unmeasurables, aren't they? So for an employer or an organisation to throw some money at something like that, it's difficult to then go, oh, the ROI on that was phenomenal and far higher than we ever could have anticipated. It's almost that that trust of something being greater and bigger than it is on paper has to be there as well in order to embark on these kind of journeys because otherwise they're just going, well, no, we're not doing that. You're not having that training because what's the point? yeah at ADP, we're starting to look at um, strengths based
3: assessment and um, and really getting people to look at what their strengths are and how that interacts with their team so what are their strengths of their their peers and their colleagues so that what's you... a stre-
1: like what so so you know
3: you, you you know are you a networker is you know you a strength in networking or you a teacher or you a collaborator um, and identifying what your what role you play in a team dynamic, but also asking you to focus on developing your strengths rather than, I think we've, over the yeah. years, businesses have focused on what are your areas of improvement? How can you develop? How can we tackle you know that interview, classic interview question, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Um, and there's always more of a focus on the weaknesses bit than the strengths. Um, so it's really starting to look at how, how do you get the best out of people? Um, so rather than trying to fix the bits that aren't working so well, focus on the bits that are good and then get the best out of people through their strengths. So it would be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic of um, from the leadership, how leaders interact with the people but also from a happiness point of view, will people feel happier at work because they're doing stuff they enjoy
1: yeah and they're being patted on the head for stuff that is naturally theirs maybe Mm -hmm. and um rewarded for it. it's really nice sort of approach isn't it rather than going oh well i can't do that so i'm gonna have to go on a course to learn how i don't really want to drag yourself there don't you so we talked about leadership and we talked about trust and how important it is we talked about pay and safety and wellness what about your colleagues do they make you happy can they make you happy is that part and parcel of being happy at work
2: I think so, because you, you spend like most of your life there, you know, at work. So if you're not working with people that you don't like and don't want to be with, then it's going to make the day very, very long, um, you know, and if if people don't get on. I mean, it doesn't say everybody's got to be best buddies, you know, because that's not in the real world, but that people will help each other. They're all working towards the same goal. They all know what it is that they need to contribute to, to get the, the business to where it needs to be. But it doesn't mean you've all got to go out for a curry that night um, if you don't want to.
3: And I think it's certainly a source of unhappiness um, where you've got conflict between colleagues, and um... or a toxic colleague. Yes, you've got your
1: fountains, you've got your drains, haven't Absolutely, you? Absolutely. Yeah. And the drains just can ruin it for everyone, can't yeah. they? We we have to be. Uh,
4: I can think. Be, we have to be careful. I think that we can be quite judgmental, and we can make judgments on people quite quickly. And I can think of two or three examples. You know, while I've been working at ADP, where. Uh, there have been colleagues whose perhaps their style, their approach to things has not has not sat well with me initially, and it would have been very tempting to o- almost dismiss. create some well, or or to have conflict. And instead, I've gone, hold on a second. You know, this person isn't coming to work to make my my life difficult. That's their approach. So how do I how do I build that relationship with them and that investment? in that for me has paid off every time I've done it.
1: Have you had training in that? Is it just no, something that you've you developed personally?
4: But I'll give you a very simple example of one one instance was uh, I had a, an email from a peer complaining that uh, the objectives I'd set some of the some of my team were not what he expected them to be. And email again, but it would have been very, very tempting just to go well, they work for me. I set their Such objectives. Me. Go away. Do your own thing. Okay. That would have been... And that was quite frankly, as I was reading the email, that was the, the reaction I felt at the time. But I deleted the email and I went to see him about a week later and said, look, what the reason I've done this is X, Y, and Z. And his response was, well, that's a really good approach. I hadn't thought about that. I really like what you're doing there. So it is about having conversations. It is Some of it doesn't need training. Some of it is about us just not reacting to not feeling the need to reply to every single email uh, and allowing our emotions to get on top of us especially when we're tired uh, but actually just taking the time to think about it and think is what's the right way to handle this
1: you, you've mentioned this a few times actually Jeff um it's th- this kind of encouraging um, not judging behavior but seeking to understand intention or motivation in others which makes I don't know is he is he quite nice to work for
4: yeah yeah. It's also in yourself. So when you get negative feedback, when and negative feedback often makes us feel like some form of failure, that makes us feel unhappy. One of the tricks that I would I've learned is to sleep on it, and I've found the next morning I've either wake up thinking I don't agree with that feedback and I know the reasons I don't agree with it, therefore I'm you know I'm cool with it. Alternatively, I've thought of what I can do, and suddenly you move from that victim mindset into. That's really good feedback because now I can do something about that and I'm going to be a better person as a result of that. And if you sleep on it, in my experience, every time by 7, 8 o'clock the next day, you, you've figured out what you're going to do about that and you feel in a much better place. And
0: I think that sense of curiosity is a wonderful thing to encourage at work. It's a wonderful thing to experience in life.
1: And you need it with colleagues, don't you?
0: Absolutely, because you've got that. Uh, what do we know about creativity? We know in order to, to have a creative and innovative culture we need discord there has to be different points of opinion within the team what do we know about diversity and inclusion that in all that the highest performing teams are diverse but have worked really hard at ensuring that the different perspectives are heard respected and honored in the work that they're doing and that drives the best the best business outcome So to have that curiosity at the heart of how we work, to ask those questions and seek to understand, is fascinating. And I uh, spent a fair amount of time working in Kansas over the last year, and it's a very different cultural experience. So, for example, as I walked into the office, there was a sticker with a line through it on the door. So what was it that had the line through it? Uh, a gun. It was a gun. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a no smoking environment. It was a no guns environment. I was always c-
1: literally though.
0: No. No, no. Literally, <laughs> yeah. there was. Literally. A, yeah, literally. The sticker on the door had a handgun in
1: Kansas with a line
0: for, uh, as you went into the office. Oh my goodness! Absolutely. Um, it did also, you
1: make you feel safe at work? <laughs> well,
0: I knew that there were no guns in the office. It did make me think how many there were in the car park. And if there was ever a fire in the car park, I'd be slightly concerned about the amount of live ammunition that was in there. But that's a story for another time. Um, But you know, and you go in and you go, well, I can judge that immediately, and trust me, there were every I had to talk to every part of my DNA that was going "Mm, different. But you know, take it as an opportunity to ask questions, to seek to understand, because I was there as to a job of work. There need to be mutual respect, different perspectives. So, you know, bring that bring that curiosity and, you know, offer, share, question. You're not going to agree on everything. That's okay. That's part of life. But from that, you get different perspectives and you get better quality products and services through the conversations you have.
2: I think you need an environment of trust to be able to do that. You need that trust with your colleagues to know that you can say, you know, Annabelle, I don't agree with what you're saying without her going you know, taking the hoof and like getting your gun out. Yeah. You know, to be able to say things to each other without the other person falling out with you, you know, that's to me, but you've got to have that trust and build that trust in the environment. And that takes a long time to do that. It
4: does. I think people Mm. underestimate that trust. I think for me, a big part of that is listening. I remember uh, I'm quite impatient and I was out, my wife and I quite often will go for a walk in the evening. And there was one night she was talking to me about a problem at work and I just, um, she, was, she was talking and I said, I know what you should do. You should do X, Y, and Z. And she said, darling, I really appreciate you trying to give me advice, but there are some times I just want to be listened to. Okay. And um, I realized that I was jumping to the first answer that sprang to mind. And, and some would say I was using that system A part of the brain rather than system B. And I made a really, really conscious effort. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still trying to do this because I'm still impatient, but Really let people talk and focus on asking them questions that demonstrate you've listened to them. And that will make them feel that you value what they're saying. But what I also found, by the way, is the quality of advice I was able to give because I'd heard the whole thing and also thought about it a little bit more, moved to the system B part of my brain and started to get more creative about the answers, dramatically improved. So I, I think that that's a really, really important part of trust.
1: I've been rereading a great book, uh, which sounds similar, actually, Jeff. Is it um, Time to Think by Nancy Klein? I haven't you... read that one. Oh, it's just exactly what you're saying. And uh, it can be quite a threatening sort of environment, especially uh, to alpha males at the top of an organization trying to listen to each other and do eye contact so um i encourage you to have a read of that and uh you know be galvanized in that that sounds just like a perfect thing to do as a leader so i'm going to just before we finish just go around the table and you know it can be anything that you like leadership wellness safety at work pay anything and what single thing could would you love to see more organizations doing more of in order to help create happier workforces and engaged employees, Jeff? Listen more.
4: <laughs> listen more, but but for me it's create environments where learning is something that everybody is committed to do.
3: Okay. Annabelle. Understand your people, be more people focused
2: and know what's going on. Okay. And Jackie? very similar to Jeff, really, helping people to progress and develop and um, going where they want to go.
1: OK, and finally, Tim?
0: Create a culture of trust.
1: Trust. Brilliant. Thank you very much, everyone. I hope that conversation has made you happier in your work. It has me for sure. And that's it for this episode. But if you'd like to explore more about ADP's People Unboxed project, please visit adp.co.uk slash peopleunboxed You'll find all the detailed research and insights we've been discussing as well as a downloadable white paper on the subject of employee engagement and happiness. So please do have a look around at that website and find out more. Thank you to my guests, Jeff Phipps, ADP's UK General Manager, Annabelle Jones, the UK Director of HR there, Tim Poynter, founder of Starboard Thinking and Jackie Mann from J-Mann. In the next episode, we'll be considering what makes us are sicky. I'm off to fend in sick now to myself, but please join us for that and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. I've been Penny Haslam. Thank you for listening.
0: People Unboxed from ADP. To find out more and to explore the full survey results, visit adp.co.uk slash people unboxed.